Welcome to The Marketer's Journey, a podcast that delivers real conversations and fresh perspectives from senior marketing executives who share the journey they've taken and the buyer journey they create. And now here's your host, Randy Frisch. Welcome to The Marketer's Journey. Today, my guest is Brian Uriaste. Brian is the CMO of Redwood Software, and we talk about his journey to becoming a CMO. In fact, three-time CMO. But a big focus of this is the opportunity he had at a company called Rackspace. Many of us know Rackspace, as he called it. He was a racker for over eight years. And in that, he had a tour of duty where he got to take on various roles. And one of the roles that very much defined his career and defines this episode is his opportunity to dig into customer marketing. That leads to a great conversation as we get through understanding the opportunity that one has when they invest in customer marketing. As he put it, customer marketing is not just that you have a newsletter. It's the actions that you have in place to expand your footprint, to retain customers. These are things that are so important in today's market and really for any company to grow. In the case of Redwood, they are now over 100 million in revenue and growing quite quickly. So the ability to look at that base and find ways to take acquisitions or whatever it might be and expand is what this episode is all about. Brian, thanks for joining us. I'm excited to dig into the journey you've had. You've been now a three-time CMO, but I want to go back before that happened, before you were at Redwood Software today. And and that's back to a company called Rackspace, a, a brand many of us knew for a long time. And you spent a long time there. Tell us what kept you there over eight years. Sure. First off, thank, thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, Rackspace is still still out there, by the way. You know, Rackspace was a, I think, a, a life-altering experience for a lot of Rackers that that spent time there. Yeah, I was I was there almost nine years. I often tell people I did pretty much every single job in marketing during my time at Rackspace, and a lot of times it was, you know, the first this or the first that because we were super high growth, um, very, you know, eager, ambitious, and knew we had to kind of put things in place and uh, to, in order to keep that going. So. Yeah, I was the first product marketing person really there, like you know, in a formal role, first customer marketing person, launched an enterprise marketing group. Um, and so it was just a, a place that uh, loved uh, giving people, you know, uh, opportunities. Um, new failure was, uh, you know, a temporary thing. You, you fail, you get back up and, and people help you through that. And um, and really it was, you know, doing new, new things was was necessary for us to, to keep going. I, you know, what I find really interesting is you describe that and, and you hit on all those roles and they're, they're listed on your LinkedIn profile. We're more used to maybe seeing someone start as a demand generation marketer and become a senior demand generation marketer and then a director and a senior director and a VP, et cetera, all under this umbrella of some discipline of marketing. How much of, of as you described those opportunities, were you raising your hand or them pushing you into areas of discomfort? I, you know, I don't know. I'm a glutton. I raise my hand a lot. Everybody's different. Everyone's comfort zone is different. But my career, at least, has been, uh, you know, characterized as uh, ex- about experiences, not a straight line. You know, up and to the right is is just ha- hasn't been the way it, it worked out for me. And I found that if you were the person to take the tough new assignment, volunteer, 
there were rewards with it for sure. It's not necessarily the reason, and you couldn't always see over the hill what those re rewards were going to be. But you know, like I, I believe I've never had a job that didn't help me to get better at something, to learn something. You know, I start, actually started my career as a software developer for Price Waterhouse, and I learned pretty quickly that I was not going to be a great software developer. But it taught me a lot about how tech works and the pace and innovation and how important it is to have a good set of requirements and to do your QA. Uh, and so those, you know, as like the rest of my career has all been in uh, you know, tech marketing. And so it just it's given me a really good perspective of how the business runs. But then also in a lot of cases, we're serving technical buyers. And so you, know, you just never know how that's going to going to work out. Um, and I'll tell you just as, as a as a leader, I love hiring people that are willing to take that next challenge trust you that you know you're going to help them through it if there's new things they they have to learn um and you know i would i tell people all the time never take a job that you know how to do every aspect of it that's you know the company's benefiting but but you're not and that's kind of been the philosophy i've taken the great motto I, i'm curious and this is a, a very nuanced specific question because you've gone through it and you describe you now taking this mindset as a leader as a cmo yourself I think sometimes people are scared to make that shift, let's say from demand gen to an area like customer marketing that I know we're going to talk about together. And, and part of that concern is, well, I'm a director now. I don't want to go back to be a manager or be this entry level. Do you view that that descriptor of title of director or VP or manager, is that important to be aligned to the role or is that just more your your leadership evolution as a marketer and you're comfortable to give someone that next senior progression, even if it's a new territory of marketing. I think I would be, yeah, people wouldn't take me seriously if I said, don't worry about the, you know, the job title or the comp or like, obviously there's practicalities to everything, but you know, I, I definitely tell people, look at the job description and what it requires from you. Um, and in some cases, you know, there are, uh, you know, bag or kind of skills that you want in your bag that may take you from being a manager of people back to an individual contributor, but then you come out the other side and you are a, you are able to be a bigger leader. Um, and you know, if you single thread and just kind of walk up a very narrow stair of, you know, of a discipline, then, you know, that stair only goes to so many floors. Whereas if you are building, you know, your, your skill set, that's really where, like my job is, I am typically not the master uh, in the company of most anything we do other than seeing how the pieces all fit together, um, you know, bringing a team together to, to, to kind of uh, deliver a strategy. But again, it, it's worked out well for me. And then I've taken, you know, the, those jobs where it may feel like a little bit of a sidestep, a lateral move or something. Um, but I've also, you know, the other piece is you got to have people you trust along the way. Um, because, I mean, uh, you can definitely get into roles that are a natural step back, but Again, like ask for the requirements. And uh, if you know where you want to lead your career, then you probably also know the things you want to be able to do or know in order to get there. And if this job description fills it, it just has a different title, then who cares? Take it. And you know, you can go out the other side, you know, kind of going up to that next rung of stairs. So let's transition from moving within more, I'm going to call it entry level to leadership to now you're a leader, now you're a CMO, and this is, as we said, your third time being a CMO. How do you walk in and present yourself in that case? Because you've done this tour of duty that we talked about, and I'm curious in the case of Redwood, which you've been with for 
you know, a little over six months now. Um, ironically, we were supposed to first record when you were at your last company, <laughs> and then we ended up pushing this off so we could we could talk about the future that's ahead. But I'm curious how you pitched yourself given the market we're in, and specifically the piece around customer marketing that that's such a unique part about when you first took that responsibility on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, so. A couple of thoughts there. I think you know, first off, it's I've, uh, we, we talked about all the different skill sets, you know, most of the CMO roles I've interviewed for, the reason I got the job is because I have depth of background on the mansion side, right? Okay. So I very much walk in the door talking about pipeline, uh, and bookings. And then that conversation can expand to revenue when you start thinking about things like, uh, retention and, and renewal really at the end of the day, that's it, especially, you know, in, in a, uh, recurring revenue business. Uh, in, the, in the tech world, it's bookings and retention, right? Like those are kind of the things. Um, but, um, you know, as companies reach, in my experience, as companies reach a certain uh, scale and degree of maturity, where you've got a, a customer base in place where the ability to grow off your customers is a huge opportunity, um, as well as the risk of not you know, of, of losing them out the bottom, you know, you can acquire lots of new logos and lose them out the bottom and you don't grow at all. The customer piece has become increasingly important. Um, it's very much the case in my, uh, in my job right now. And I mean, I'll tell you most, most of the companies I've worked for typically by the time I've gotten there, uh, and I'm, I typically operate in that hundred to $500 million range. That's sort of where I, uh, I find the journey the most fun. Customer marketing is a newsletter, right? <laughs> and you know, it's like we're doing customer marketing. You're like sending your newsletter. <laughs> Let's have a look at it. But there's so much more to it. Uh, so yeah, I absolutely present the fact that you know, two companies ago, I actually owned the renewal number for part of our business. I was like, what marketing person owns the renewal number? It's like, well, I own the the long tail of customers that were really teeny tiny, where you can't put enough humans on them. So. You know, the superpower required is one to many. Well, guess who has the one to many superpower? That's marketing, right? That's one of our, our superpowers. Uh, I think ability to kind of to talk and relate and uh, and understand the bigger picture of how the company wins on revenue, not on the leads you generated, not on even pipeline, right? It's the end of the day, if you're a public company, they're looking at your, your revenue, they're looking at your profitability. All those other things are the building blocks how to get there. And when customers are both a huge opportunity and a risk, being a marketer that can affect that is extremely valuable. I find that even more topical right now. I, and, and you joined Redwood at, at a time where there was probably realization that a recession was ahead around the corner. As you said, being a company and you shared with me, Redwood is well over a hundred million in revenue. That renewal every month might be more than the goal for growth that you know upcoming year. So how did that shape how you formed the team, especially in this time? Yeah, it's, uh, no, I mean, the, the, the notion of flipping the funnel is, is a real thing, right? It's, you really have to think about, to your point, the, the people that you're hiring into the different roles. Um, you know, if you go look at LinkedIn right now and you know, anybody that's interested, let me know. We've got two or three jobs out there right now, one of which is an install base, uh, you know, account-based marketers, essentially a campaign person for the install base. It's an area where uh, we are disproportionately uh, adding capacity to the new logo side. Doesn't mean, you know, we're, we're not driving, you know, trying to 
trying to bring in new new customers absolutely um you know that's a something we do very well so you know we're pretty efficient and we can add efficiency challenges as we add more volume and and, and whatnot but um from a team perspective uh it, it really is about adding the tools uh to understand what customers are thinking um you know it, it also means you got to get depending on the nature of your business if you're you know kind of more transactional or more enterprise uh, go-to-market model you may need to get closer to your um, you know, the rest of your go-to-market team or customer-facing team to understand what is their strategy. Um, you know, because you want to both do do things that are relevant, but you also do want to do things that are aligned to the rest of your go-to-market motion. So, as, again, from a resource perspective and investment, you got you know you want people that understand how to uh, you know how to work with our, our uh, CSMs or account managers or uh, professional services for that matter. If you if you have that. Yeah, it's it's definitely a different. If I look at the mix of, of investment and people, it's different than you know, uh, a just you know fast growth uh, startup, but also uh, to your point about you know the times uh, the times we're in, like it's it's a really it's a smart investment to make. Well, you, you hit on go to market quite a few times there. We're going to take a break before we go deeper into your go to market strategy. On the other side of this quick word from our sponsor. Want to improve the buyer journey for your customers and your prospects? Look no further than our presenting sponsor, Uberflip. Named a leader in content experience by G2 and a leader in content activation by Forrester, Uberflip will help you accelerate every buyer journey by creating bingeable experiences that will allow your prospects to consume more content faster. Companies like Trimble, Wiley, and 3M are using Uberflip to power their go-to-market strategies, and we created one just for you. Head to uberflip.com journey to see how Uberflip can help you leverage the power of personalized content experiences. It was about six years ago that we had our first customer marketer at Uberflip. And I remember at the time we were almost early. We were one of the early companies to say, we're gonna have this role. Call out to Atlanta, who is that customer marketer. If you fast forward to where we are today, I think it's unspeakable not to have a customer marketer. As soon as you have revenue, you have opportunity to not just land, but expand, to learn from those customers, to take that feedback. So as Brian's talking about today, it is very important that your organization has this role. If you're a CMO, make sure you're putting it in place. If you're a member of the marketing organization and one does not exist, raise your hand, jump in, and make expansion happen. Brian, I want to just dig very high level on what Redwood does and then better understand the customer that you're selling to. Sure. Yeah. So uh, kind of at the very high level, Redwood Software is a automation company. We consider ourselves the leader and we refer to as full stack automation, which means no matter what you need automated across any environment, any application, any business process, you can be running on mainframes and, and servers in the cloud. You can be running on all these different applications. And at the end of the day, you string these things together and you want to automate your order to cash process. Um, that's, you know, Redwood is at the, at the heart of that process. So, you know, our customers tend to be mid-market and, and large enterprises. 
that are running their, you know, it's the mission critical business processes that most of us don't think about on a daily basis, but, you know, pays your, your vendors, it, it makes sure there's inventory on shelves, so on and so forth. So without going too much deeper into that, but I, I thought it was important for our listeners to understand the breadth of application of your company. Because when I go to your website and I go under a tab you have called use cases, there's like 10 different use cases. And when I was thinking about that as you were describing to me on the earlier part of our chat, this expansion opportunity, because someone might be buying you for one use case. And I'm curious, as you talked about flipping that funnel, how are you selling into these other opportunities? Is it you know, working with an existing stakeholder or do you have to branch out to other stakeholders for these other use cases? Yeah, it's yes. It's, it's <laughs> sort of all of the above. And I, I, you know, like many things, it's a, it's a matter of prioritization and, you know, uh, where, you know, not trying to do everything at once, uh, but then also making sure you've got the right resources in place to do whatever, whatever it is you're trying to do. You know, there are, uh, some very simple ways to do it. You, if you have, uh, you know, strategic customer salespeople, well, they can build account plans and, you know, it's, it's pretty straightforward. Just talk to your customer. <laughs> Sounds obvious, but you'd be surprised how, how often that does not happen. Um, and by talking to their customer, uh, the customer and understanding what's going on in their business, um, it enables us to better serve them. Um, but then, you know, you, things fall out of the, the woodwork that, you know, turn into opportunities that are, you know, real pipeline and, and deals. And so to your, you know, kind of part of your, your question, sometimes that's with the buyer that you're talking to. We may be working with the, you know, the head of IT for a business unit of a massive, you know, $50 billion company or something like that. Uh, and by talking to them, you know, A, there's tons of other opportunities uh, of ways that we can automate things that, that they're doing. And we, we sort of had this, uh, this mantra that if it can be automated, it should be automated. Right. It's and it's not about taking away from the humans doing the work. It's empowering the humans to do, you know, the 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 most valuable work that they can do for the company. Right. So, you know, you may unlock other opportunities with with that SAP leader, or you know, they may say, Hey, you know what? You know, we're connected and supporting something else. You should probably talk to, you know, this person or this group. They're dealing with the same issues that we are. Um, and would benefit from having, you know, this sort of a platform in place. And so there's many examples that there's one. Yeah, it's a great example. It, it hits me with this problem that you outlined earlier, which is customer marketing to so many organizations is a newsletter. And the problem yeah. there is that newsletter is typically to talk to the customer that you're already working with. It's, you know, it's a way of saying, here's why you should still buy from us and we're still here and it's not just software. Yeah, there's a real company putting thought into this. And, and don't get me wrong, those newsletters are important for your, your current customer base. I have no problem with the newsletter. <laughs> and unless it is your strategy in its entirety. Exactly, exactly. That is that is a piece of your strategy. But I'm, I'm curious as you talk about this idea of how do I get this leader at, you know, say SAP to introduce me to six other business unit holders, because that's the holy grail that we're all going with when we always hear land and expand. So I, I guess my question to you is, what is it that marketing can do to help make that transition happen? Is this a content play that, you know, here's a piece of content, share it, you know, with someone else in your organization, or is it more 
formally asking for that intro. Yeah. Again, it's, it's, it's a, yes, it's, it's all, it, all those things. And again, it's, it's in a, you know, in a coordinated manner and we're, you know, take the, the newsletter and, you know, newsletters are part of some, you know, just a broader kind of customer ear cover program, if you will. Um, and those things can be branded and can have all kinds of different uh, aspects of them where the newsletter itself is just one piece. You may have, you know, a webinar uh, that's part of just that regular engagement that, um, you know, isn't overly segmented necessarily. So it gives you a lot of reach, allows you to, you know, share broadly with, you know, a bunch of customers that ha may have, you know, definitely have some sim uh, shared interests and similarities, but the opportunity in each one of them may be different, but allows you to go out to them and educate them. And sometimes it's as simple as that, you know, we have this feature, you know, and in our automation platform, we have this managed file transfer capability, which many of our customers either may not be using or are using something else that's not working well with their current platform. Like we can bridge that gap and just, it's just a simple act of educating them on the fact that, did you know we have this and you have access to it and you're not using it? You know, like you'd be amazed at how much that can sometimes just, um, you know, a drug, you know, create opportunity for you as a business, but do great things for, uh, for your customers. So I, I do think it's a, it's very much a combination of, educating them and you you definitely can get more targeted right like news, the newsletter we're driving around is is the bigger broader thing right but you can have much more segmented groups of uh of outreach which can be email that can be in product uh communications uh multiple companies i've you know the marketing team has has led the in product stuff because you know it, at the end of the day it was about you know enablement and uh and pro, you know use encouraging usage right so you have all these different channels that you can use um, and you know, the better your data, the more you can sharpen your focus while still having that kind of overarching, uh, uh, air cover. Uh, and then, yeah, there's, there's, you know, we should be coordinated with our, uh, sales partners as well and our account, you know, management partners, because they can ask those very specific questions to the human, right? Sure. You can ask for, you know, send an email and say, Hey, refer a friend kind of thing. Um, but my experience, especially in the enterprise uh, world, it's much more valuable when it's a trusted partner, you know. A lot of our uh, account executives have, you know, know each other's birth, you know, the birthdays of the people they're working with, and they'll go out and have dinner together when they're in town just because they like each other, they've helped each other. And so their ability to say, hey, you know, who else looks like you and, and you're in this giant organization of yours that we can help? Um, and in that case, if you're actually doing a good job, that individual feels like they're making themselves look good by sharing you with their customers. So like, the, I, I got so much value out of this. Let me give you a, a, a tip. Here's a hot tip. Use these guys to do this because it'll make you. So again, you, you can do that through marketing communications, but I think those those kind of uh, asks are are better done by the people that have those relationships. Now they got to have them and they got to, uh, this is you know going back to the, what I said before. If they're not talking to your customers, you really don't have a chance because you're going to send an email and the customers will say, who are these guys? Right, right. I, I think to your point, we got to, we got to, personalize these outreaches much more today, given the expectation. And, and I'm, we have time for just one last question that I've wanted to ask you the entire conversation, because I, I know it's been a, an exciting last year at Redwood, including a couple of acquisitions. And I'm, I'm curious how that acquisition strategy, because I think that we're going to see a lot more acquisition strategies going on given the economy and given you know the need for companies to come together and offer better value prop. But I would assume the opportunity of having a good customer marketing 
uh, organization is that you can announce these acquisitions with context, like we're talking about as to why this means something to your base. How do you feed that through the customer marketing work when you have these big announcements to make? Like through to customers or how do we like, uh, how do we take action with the customer marketing team? Ultimately, what is the customer marketing team's responsibility in terms of making this announcement? Because I think a lot of us associate that as a product marketing responsibility, first and foremost, like what does this mean for the new product? But I think it's, it's even more important as to like, how do we go and upsell our base product with all these additional add-ons? Yeah. So, you know, the first thing I'd say is, uh, pretty much everything I've said, uh, there is a product marketer side by side, uh, with on, on all those, uh, on all those things, right. It's hard to be a good demand gen marketer if you don't have good product marketing. Um, and so I'd say very much aligns here as well. Product marketing is helping us to look at it and say, take an acquisition and say, you know, okay, this product has this, that, that we're bringing on. Why does it matter? How does it fit? It's really kind of the feature benefit piece of it. And it, the benefit piece being the part that's so important. So you take that messaging, um, and then, you know, what, uh, the, the role of customer marketing in this case for an acquisition is a couple of things. It's first off, uh, ensuring, uh, and appeasing the customer that they don't have to worry, right? Like that's, that's oftentimes the first thing, um, you know, we've made, uh, as you mentioned, we've made two acquisitions, uh, this year already. Um, and that's the first thing we go out and say, look, we love this product. We bought it for a reason. Um, it is not only not going to go anywhere, but we're going to keep investing. It has a roadmap. Uh, we'll show you the roadmap, you know, if you haven't seen it, all those sorts of things. So that, that is part of it. But then to your point, um, and this is again, where product marketing can really help from a strategic standpoint is figuring out what is the added value to customers? How does this plus this give them a better answer and a, a you know better outcome that they've always wanted or they didn't know they wanted, but they really are going to benefit from? I think if your M&A strategy is, is a smart one, then you're acquiring things where you get cross sells that aren't just, you know, buy the next thing on the cart or because we have it, it really is a, you know, and we call ourselves the, the leading uh, leader in full stack automation with the broadest portfolio to, so we can serve all these different use cases. And it's for a reason. It's a very conscious, deliberate effort to say, look, you may have a, a you know, an application that no one else has thought of how do you, you know, to build a connector for or something like that. Well, we have it. We bought this kind of product, uh, we acquired this one and it has it integrated. And now we're going to connect this one, you know, the one we just bought to the ones we already have. And now you can work both these together. So I think if you're smart with your M&A strategy, customer marketing's job is to help to expose those opportunities for, uh, for customers where the win-win is customers get, you know, the better outcome and we get to grow. Really, really well put. And we'll, we'll take a pause on that because growth is our goal at the end of the day. And I think you wrap that up perfectly. Keep you around for a couple more questions here on The Marketer's Journey. One of the things that's clear when you hear Brian describe how a customer marketing organization needs to exist is they need to work throughout your organization. And that means they're not sitting there alone. As he said, they're working side by side with product marketing. They're also working with your go-to-market teams, your customer success managers, your support teams, those that are customer facing, as well as your account executives who are looking to expand. 
the more we create opportunities to feed the right message through that organization, the more opportunity we have. One of the things that our customers at Uberflip really pushed us towards was to make sure that content could easily spread throughout an organization. Hence our product sales assist that allows you to arm the rest of the organization with the right content. But the bigger point here is really making sure that you have a way for everyone in your organization to talk and interact with customers that creates a personalized and meaningful experience. All right, Brian, we have talked a lot about your buyer journey, the career journey, and a big theme there was the importance of customer marketing. Do you think that that is going to be an important trait towards the next CMO? Should everyone have a stop in customer marketing along their tour of duty? Yes. And, and if it's not in your immediate path, make it happen. Two times I've done in my career, I had to say, we, need, we should do this because nobody else is doing it. Yeah, make it happen. Well, what if someone doesn't have that opportunity in front of them? What's the best way to get a taste of customer marketing if you're not on that path or you feel it's not in the near future? Um, well, I mean, uh, experiment in your role. You know, that, that's sort of how I, I, I got customer marketing off the ground in a couple of places was just running an experiment of something you were doing, apply it to a customer, see a, re uh, a response. And if you see a good response, you'd be surprised. People will say, hmm, maybe we should do more of that. I like that. Let's talk a little bit about content. We talked about meeting people in a way that shows that you understand their needs and expanding. I can only imagine content's a big part of that. How do you personalize content across these various needs in an organization, as you said, that could be you know, billions of dollars of revenue and many different stakeholders? I think segmentation is probably the, the simple answer I, I would give. It's figure out how, uh, what your segments truly are and don't, you know, don't be afraid of big segments, right? Cause you, companies that may be from multiple industries, they may have the same underlying problem. And so you may not need to, you know, while you think I've got a person personalized to the nth degree, you may not need to, especially if you're very top of funnel or, or something like that. I think the deeper you get in, uh, into the funnel, the more personalized, uh, uh I would encourage you to get. That's great advice. So when someone's outreaching to you from a sales perspective, selling some sort of solution to you as a marketer, what about the personalization, as you use that word, gets you to click? Um, typically two, two things. Uh, one, I'm a big Duke basketball fan. Uh, <laughs> so the smart ones uh, say something about Duke basketball, and at least my head turns. I'm a total sucker. Uh, and then the second one is... Um, you know, those that understand the metrics of my pain and opportunity, you know, the, the ones that hit that uh, are the ones that are I'm going to, you know, respond to. Um, it may not be the right fit. It may not be the right timing. But if you understand what that my biggest challenge is this area of pipeline growth or all this customer marketing stuff we're talking about, ability to get close to customers, get their attention and get them to, you know, cross sell or something like that, that will definitely get my attention. All right. So a combo of field goal percentage and conversion rate. Uh, yes. <laughs> perfect mix of a BDR outreach there. Yeah. My last question for you is, is all about a different balance and that's work and life. And I'm curious as a CMO, how do you make that balance happen? Those 
who are just listening to audio, I see a map behind you. I don't know, is this a travel thing? Is this a disconnect thing? What is it that gets you through the day and excited about the next week? Yeah, it's, it's that's definitely part of it. So uh, number one, I'm a, I think once an athlete, always an athlete. I still consider myself a, a more aged athlete. So I play tennis pretty aggressively still these, uh, these days. So that's part of it. It just, it's a total mind switch and just uh, feels good to get out there and, and smack a ball, I guess. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, the, the other one is, tra- is travel. Yeah, that, that's actually a mat of the Sunday Islands, uh, kind of off the coast of Australia. Um, and I did a trip, uh, chartered a boat, went sailing with uh, my mom and my wife for 10 days, just got away. And so for me, I, I always see it in my, you know, reflection on, on my video screen. It's just a reminder of, you know, the Zen of getting out there. There are other things out there. And so travel is a big part of, uh, how I get away. And I think when you get away, you gotta get away you gotta, you know, stay connected, uh, only as much as you absolutely need to, the business got to run all that sort of stuff. But you know, let your mind and spirit truly get away when you, when you go. It's such a great way to wrap this up, Brian. I, I can't thank you enough for that advice. When you've hit on everything from customer marketing to personal balance in this episode, if someone's tuned in for the first time and enjoyed this, check out all the other great marketers who have joined me on this podcast. Every CMO's journey is unique. Yours is going to take its own path. And one day, hopefully you'll be on here to share it with me until next time. Thanks so much for tuning in. You've been listening to the Marketer's Journey podcast. Big thanks to our sponsors at Uberflip, who help you fuel demand generation with content for an accelerated buyer journey. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify at uberflip.com slash podcast or anywhere you listen to podcasts. 